Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. I remind you the Conference of Presidents of Presidents and UJA Federation are the two major sponsors of the big gathering in Washington this coming Tuesdays. With us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you. Well, it's a good sign when the only complaint I'm getting about the rally is that it's Rosh Chodesh. <laughs> and I, I'm trying to explain to people that knowing the way you negotiate these things, it likely, and I'm sure you would not have preferred it being on a Rosh Chodesh day, but I, I would have a feeling that the, the way these things are negotiated, this was probably the best or only day uh, that they could accommodate a crowd like this at the National Mall. So Baruch Hashem, I think you have to agree with all the things that people have to say about Jews gathering and non-Jews in support of Israel and against anti-Semitism in Washington, D.C. Baruch Hashem, that is the only thing people are bringing up. Oh, it's not the only thing. (laughs) 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 But but uh, it is an important thing. And there's, uh, I I understand that uh, the White House is going to have the first Nate's minion ever held on Tuesday morning, you're serious. Uh, you're serious. Uh, I'm serious. Wow. That uh, wow. That uh, there was a report. I, I don't have all the details. It, at six fifteen, minion as close to the White House as they can do it. Wow. Uh, not in the White House right. itself. With a Torah, I'm assuming. Yes, of course. Wow. So, no, uh, wow. And they said that the the uh, that the uh, uh, Barry Weber will be davening there. And, wow. Uh, uh, Malcolm, and- there's. I mean, look, a lot of people in this audience don't remember 20 years ago, 40 years ago, etc., when you know, massive rallies took place. There, there's something about this one. There is something about the people who are coming down, the umbrella of, uh, you know, right to left, uh, different uh, backgrounds, geographical locations. I mean, it, it's just all the unity that we've been feeling over the last month, I think you have to admit as you're planning this thing that you're feeling the exact same unity through this entire process as with Washington completely and and the, the response that is coming from across the board the people that you know did not participate 20 years ago or had questions people want to come and we're doing everything to accommodate all audiences so that I think everybody will be comfortable there um, uh, but it's it's amazing that the biggest complaint we have uh, thank God is people can't get buses. There are not enough buses right, in New York right. to uh, to to get there. So people are finding new ways. But I just one thing I I, I try to get a, a plane ticket back on Tuesday night, and one way return ticket was seventeen hundred dollars. What have you heard about Amtrak tickets for that day? They're basically sold out. There were a few tickets left going back, but we hope still that they're going to add more cars and more trains to it. Wow, unbelievable. And and what creative ways? Give me one example of creative ways that people are dealing with the bus situation. Driving. Literally not taking yeah. buses, just renting vans and taking people down like that. Because I heard that there are schools in the United schools in the United States that there are schools in the New York, New Jersey area that have spent double the money to hire buses from Washington to do two round trips in order to get the kids down there. They have. It's true that uh, people have come up with some creative ideas about how to maximize the participation. You know, we warned people early on, and I'm telling everybody now, come early. 
and uh, the, the, it, because the, when hundreds of buses will converge in Washington at one time, it's hard for them to to accept them all that way. Yeah. So the, the earlier ones will get in, and uh, there is going to be a program for youth prior to the rally, probably starting around noon or shortly thereafter, uh, before the program begins at one, and it will be done by two thirty three, uh, between two thirty and three, and then. So people can get back. Um, it will be uh, an incredible message when you see all the counter demonstrations, violent counter demonstrations that are going on, including in New York City. To, uh, I mean, really terrible things that I saw yesterday myself. I saw the, the police car with the um, window smashed and free Gaza on the police car and, and the, the, um, desecrations that took place and the threats that have been made and the violence that, that ensued. I think it's important that they, the world will see. And, and by the way, many, many non-Jews are coming, many, and they want to be part of this as well. Yeah. It's a question of being able to accommodate them. <clears throat> there are some good people out there, people of values, people of faith. You know a lot of them. Um, and it's wonderful, as they have in the past, that they're joining in for the cause. Um it's a it's a difficult day. I mean, we've got to make that clear to everybody, Malcolm. And I, mean, I think everyone knows this from past experience. It's a difficult day. It's a you know lo- long trip for a lot of people. A lot of walking, obviously. And you know, you hope that with all the instructions that your office has given to to in- institutions, organizations, that all that works out logistically, where the buses should go, get everybody as close as possible. But it can get a little frustrating. A small price to pay for this massive action, which is so necessary. But one thing I got to ask you about. And I think I'm representing, honestly, maybe thousands of people when I say this. I was at the rally Monday night, Upper West Side, and I know that it wasn't, you know, Dafka, your rally. But nonetheless, I mean, there were 5,000 people standing. And if I'm off by 1,000, I apologize. There were 5,000 people standing on East 84th Street trying to get into the rally area. And they were letting people in four at a time and wanding everybody and frisking everybody. Now, I just ask you, number one, is it going to be similar in Washington just so people can prepare for that? It's hard to stand for an hour waiting in line. So that's question number one. And question number two, excuse my sarcasm, but I have a feeling when when uh, when other rallies take place in New York City, for instance, on Flatbush Avenue in Brooklyn, I have a feeling that the participants are not going through the same type of security procedures. What could you say about those two points? Because we don't threaten them, but uh, we, we have to take precautions. It's a responsibility we have for those who come to attend. Uh, I don't know what happened in the New York uh, or the Wanding experience. I, I, I The street I went up, it was just that they did a check, but they had a list. Um, and as you know, many people did not get into the New York rally because right. the police closed off access after a while. Right. And there was a, a huge turnout. Uh, uh, so at this event, there will be in the first section uh, magnetometers, but they are very high speed. So you just walk straight through. It's like at a football stadium. Right. The modern equipment is there. And... Uh, there will be for the other areas. There won't be any. We are putting up three and a half miles of fencing to protect the area. Uh, we are, there is every precaution possible is being taken. There's no credible threats that we know of. Uh, there will be uh, areas even for yeshivas for separate standing uh, for for those that requested, um, you know, boys and separate girls separated. Right. Right. 
and they will be uh, as an area for uh, people with disabilities. But we've tried to accommodate all, all the different things possible. But the problem we'll have is that people will descend on it at the same time. Right. And, and uh, we'll just accommodate it. People have to be patient. We've done everything, I think, everything that was done, that could have been possible in order to um, to make sure we can accommodate it. And frankly, I think the response is so incredible. The, the sense of Achtet that you mentioned it should not be overlooked. It's really remarkable. And to see, you know, every corner, every, you know, Hollywood stars and other people all calling up and asking what they can do is a, a statement about how much October 7th changed the world. No question about that. And I'm sure you've heard of schools from different cities around the country that are flying in some of their classes, uh, which is remarkable. I know you uh, you must have heard about the different towns that have looked into, I don't know if it ever worked out because the price could be prohibited, but looked into chartering flights in order to get hundreds of people from their community to participate. And I would assume just by, by car, by bus, by train, there are people coming not just from the New York area, but I would imagine from so many other areas of the country uh, as well, especially on the east coast so we are talking about no, not just the east coast uh, there's uh, many people thousands coming from la denver detroit cleveland 25 buses chicago had a thousand airplane ticket seats already taken two days ago and many more uh, the uh, it's the it's what the um, what transportation is available and what they're able to arrange but many people are traveling 15 18 hours on buses to come New Yorkers don't complain. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Lakewood people certainly shouldn't complain. Certainly not. They're right. very, very close, uh, relatively speaking. And, of course, you mentioned Yeshiva University in Turo, and, and closing down the universities for today is remarkable. But, Malcolm, I, I must say kudos to, because I asked you this off the air a couple of days ago, and, and neither of us were really sure, but there are actual yeshivas, and I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm, I'm using the term just for identification so people understand, you know, the section of the community we're talking about, who have closed, who have declared, go to the rally, encourage your parents to go as well, and if you're a kolel person in this yeshiva, I'm speaking, I'm thinking of one specifically, if you're a kolel man in this yeshiva, try to encourage your wife to go as well, so this 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 uh, this incredible infectious achdus has just uh, propelled people to take action and to be there for each other and for our brothers and sisters in Israel to a level that we've never seen before. And think of what the reverberations will be in Israel after a very difficult morning. There were many rockets over yep. central Israel. Uh, over a million people had to go into shelters, yep. and with the constant bad news coming, you know, when bodies were found or Leviathan. And, and by the way, just as an aside, everyone went to sleep last night in Israel knowing that the army was so close to that hospital in Gaza that there would hopefully be no red alerts today. And as you just said, the day was dominated by red alerts. Exactly. So think of what, what we're doing to say to Ahainul Gomes Israel that every, everybody in Israel is, uh, is going to be touched by it. They've been calling it and just saying thank you, thank you. They're thanking us. They're on the front line. They're putting their lives on the line. We're asked to give a few hours to go to Washington and, and to send a message that all these demonstrations that are taking place and they're loud and they're sometimes violent, 
they get a lot of media attention. Yeah. That's not the real story. This is the real America. Yeah, no question about it. And finally, by the way, and I know that every one of these angles is important, so I, I, I can't point out all of them. I don't remember all of them, but there's finally been an arrest. I mean, call, call a vote to the NYPD. They took this seriously, this whole thing about ripping down the, the, the hostage posters, and, and they arrested two people for it, and, and you know that that's going to be a deterrent to others as they look at posters and consider should they be ripping them down or not. So thank God that the NYPD and I'm sure other law enforcement officials around the country are taking this seriously and 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 and, and making it known that if you're going to play that game, you're going to be in trouble for it. I think that's true, and and you know people complain if they don't arrest on the site. You, you, I don't think sometimes they arrest on the site when they aren't actually seeing the person do it, but right. they get cameras, they get photographs, and they get them later because you can incite uh, you know a violent reaction at the moment. And the, you know, there was a smoke bomb thrown, but to see a police car vandalized in New York City like that, and uh, they don't make an arrest there, that would be very disappointing. What about the lack of publicity um, in the in the murder of Mr. Kessler in Los Angeles? I mean, you know, Malcolm, if he represented another cause or maybe another community, there would have been national outrage in the media. Well, I do think that it's gotten some coverage and i mean it wasn't all the major news stations did report it um but some of them did not report that he had been hit and some of them didn't tell the full story they said that it's being investigated um but uh, you know it's a, a tragedy you know that's really incredible to understand that uh, you know because he was the pro-israel demonstrator that somebody hit him with the megaphone and knocked him to the ground then when he fell he hit his head yeah but but why did he fall? And and this is, uh, you know, reflective of physical assaults that have taken place in other places. An arrest in that case, right? There was an arrest in that case, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right about that? I think so. They identified the guy, right? right. But I don't, I don't know what the status, the legal status is. And in the Detroit case that happened a couple of Shabbos ago, the murder of that woman, I believe they have a, a suspect in hand as well? Yeah, but they still say that they still don't identify it as a uh, hate crime. Right. So there must be more complications to it. Malcolm Holmai with us, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Tuesday, Rosh Chodesh is Washington Day. Tuesday, we are broadcasting from Jerusalem. Uh, the guests we have lined up, I think, will be very inspiring and will add to the sense of mission that everyone has when you're on the bus or in the car, wherever you might be on Tuesday, heading down to Washington. Make sure to be tuned in to us at JM and the AM as we bridge the gap between Israel and the diaspora. All right, Malcolm, uh, pause or no pause, ceasefire or no ceasefire, what do you say? A ceasefire, certainly not. And the president was asked last night, and he again said no ceasefire. Uh, a, a humanitarian pause, I think, is going to be likely because Israel has been doing it anyway. If you see the stream of people leaving to go to the to the south to to, to be evacuated from the area, uh, over a million, well over a million um, people did, and this despite the fact that Hamas did not want them to, ordered them not to, fired on people who did, to dissuade them from going south. Israel brought in protection for the last groups that are are uh, were leaving, and people have seen the pictures uh, almost every day that they continue to to um, to move out. This is uh, the the war is going 
really well for the Israelis. Unfortunately, I think uh, there were still there were two more deaths last night of soldiers and, and uh, who were killed by the by the terrorists. But they have made remarkable progress. To under, and remember what they're dealing with. What I talked about so many times is under the, the city under the city. It's hundreds of miles of of those of the underground passages. Hundreds of miles, and maybe the hostages are there. So Israel has to proceed with care with what it does, and it's been still doing precision things. And and if you see that when you see an explosion near the hospitals, for instance, there was an explosion near Indonesia Hospital yesterday, but it was because they hit a munitions dump because they Hamas still uses hospitals and and people as human shields and as fronts. They're the ones who are committing the war crime, not Israel. It loses a protected status like the ambulances that they drive because they use them to transport terrorists. And they're the ones who have to be to be held to to account for it. So Israel is willing to see humanitarian aid go in. It has all along, as we know, Hamas steals a good portion of it. Uh, but more they're trying to be more strict and seeing to it that it gets to the people. But the a, a pause is different than any kind of a ceasefire which would enable Hamas to to realign uh, itself, to start licking its wounds and reorganizing. As long as you have them off guard, guard, they killed some key commanders yesterday. When you destroy the command structure and the facilities, that's the way it is now. It will end up being a ragtag group, still very uh, threatening, still with considerable power but uh, not the same enemy that we started with. You alluded just minutes ago to the fact that um, it, it, things are going very well, etc. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Uh, everybody in Israel is prepared for a months-long encounter. That's the mentality they've had. We've heard it from multiple people, you know, representing uh, multiple areas of life in Israel. It, it, it seems, though, based on the on the you know where the army is now in Gaza, that this might be going better and quicker than originally thought. Is it too early to make that type of determination? Yes, and and. It has gone well, and, and in the beginning, they were very cautious. This was well planned out in the execution of isolating areas. They've divided Gaza, uh, so which makes it much easier for them to try and encircle, like the hospital. Uh, but people will have to be patient. This is not a matter of days, maybe even weeks, or it, it will certainly be months for them to be able to mop it up. And if they don't clean out this cancer completely, we know that it will come back. And therefore, this time, it has to be a complete eradication. Many of the world's governments, you saw the G7 met this week, uh, were powers, and they came out in support of Israel's right to defend itself and to go on a statement that I don't think would have been possible in the past. We have to credit the administration with its support, and we have to uh, see that the European governments, despite the massive demonstrations in some countries, have uh, held the line largely. So... You know, it's it's something that will require a lot of patience still. One of the one of the maybe I'd say only hopes or great hopes 
that Jews around the world, and certainly those in Israel, are hoping and feeling is that the IDF and the, the intelligence of the, of, the, uh, of the army and the intelligence services of Israel, they've got to know where the hostages are. I mean, that, that is what so many people are, are, are hoping, and, and it is the hope that we are hanging our, our hope on, is that they, that they at least know where they are, because that, of course, is, is such an important part of the battle to get them back. Is it possible... That all these hostages, first of all, you could tell me if you agree with that. And secondly, is it possible that all these hostages were moved to the south as the mass of population went southward in Gaza? Yes, it is possible that they moved them uh, because they, this is their ace in the hole is having the hostages. They think it will be a protection against um, some of the attacks that are taking place has made it a top priority to get the return of the hostages. But the first thing is to execute the war and, and protect the soldiers and uh, at the same time try to extricate the, the hostages uh, and for, and identifying where they are and going after the third goal would be, I think, going after all of those who crossed over and were responsible for the uh, barbaric attack that, that took place. So Israel, I'm sure, has information uh, that will be used judiciously because it is certainly something I think everybody in Israel wants to see, and that's the return of God willing, as all of them, or certainly as many. There was one less because they found the body in Israel that somebody they thought had been kidnapped and right. he was murdered uh, on October 7th. Um, and they're talking about deals with Qatar and 15 hostages and, you know, if there is a ceasefire, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, anything to these negotiations could there. And again, we want 240, whatever the exact number is, you know, released now. But any chance that in the next couple of days, a significant number will, in fact, be uh, part of a deal i can't say because i don't know is this negotiations are being done very quietly uh, i wouldn't trust anything that hamas says and uh, you know israel learned from the past that you know the, the people they release become recidivists and and go back and become an our terrorists uh so i think that uh, it'll be very carefully done but would they pay some price for for people to, to, to some of the people back yes but I, I think the negotiations are, are probably very tough and, and serious, and Western governments have been involved in some of it. Well, do you agree that uh, if Netanyahu was <clears throat> was offered all the hostages in exchange for a significant ceasefire, he would take that deal in a minute? I can't say. I don't know. I, I mean, I know that there have been various offers right. made, but. You know, for what what we would say might seem like a, a normal or, or something, they know better about what the reality is on the ground and what they're doing. And, the you know, you're dealing with, with people who have proven in the past not to be honest brokers, not to be truthful. And, and I'm talking about the Hamas side, not those who are trying to broker a deal. Right. And, and, you know, again, a significant ceasefire means that those who remain in Gaza chance to get out to regroup to move and the goal is to eradicate them oh it is a complicated situation malcolm what do you make of this story that photojournalists took part in recording the hamas assault on october the 7th 
I think take this very seriously, and there's more information coming out associating other people with uh, major news sources. Uh, the New York Times came out with a statement defending their practice and the individuals involved. It's outrageous. How did they know to be there? Did they did they get advance warning? Or at 6.30 on a Saturday morning, they just happened to be nearby and be able to get the pictures. Some of them, as you know, were seen holding uh, a the helmet of a soldier and engaging much more than than taking photos and were they there while crimes were being were taking place which makes them accessories to it and didn't do anything so but but you see that some of the people who have been so accused uh, uh by honest reporting and others who have uncovered this information are are uh offended and being you know uh spoken about when they could, but but that there's a history of them being associated in one way or another with some of the terrorist entities. Yeah, and the press in general, sometimes for a good reason, but you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. And it shows how dependent they are on the stringers. They they hire the locals because they don't. Many of the places don't have you know big staff anymore like they used to, nice. and they all dependent on these locals who are parties to other things as well. What a good point. Uh, all right, we got to talk a little bit about diaspora because, of course, one of the reasons the rally in Washington is so uh, sought after for people to be there on Tuesday is because there's an added element than we've had in the past. Usually we're there in Washington to protest what's happening to our brothers and sisters in Israel, but now, of course, we have the added component of uh, safety of Jews everywhere, especially in the United States with the atmosphere that we're in right now. What could you tell us about, the, uh, about Mossad thwarting this major terror attack in Brazil that was planned by Hezbollah. It's information that uh, Mossad shared with the uh, with the Brazilian police and and uh, their counterpart agencies uh, and I understand that they were planning an attack on Jews in Brazil. The specifics, you know, obviously are not being released yet, but there was Everybody seems to acknowledge the fact that the information that they provided and maybe even other assistance thwarted the attack. Officials in Brazil have uh, indicated that it's it's a true story. So if God forbid, and believe me, people have thought of this now much more in the last month. God forbid if there's that type of attempt in the United States, there's a chance that the Mossad 6,000 miles away would have information, would be able to warn American authorities in advance? Yes, first of all, because if they picked up the chatter, if they picked up uh, other, you know, from uh, people that they captured information, there are a lot of sources that Israel might have that the Brazilian police did not. That's a that's a drop comforting, frankly. That's a little. Yeah, but the the problem is that you know the internet is so massive and there's so on, and they have become more and more sophisticated in what they and how they what information they provide over the internet and what they do through other means. That's why. Only a handful of people knew about the attack on October 7th. I mean, literally a handful. Even the soldiers themselves weren't told until that morning. And the the uh, ability that they had not to communicate with one another without being detected, as they usually were, uh, it was evident in the results. So it's it's still very complicated. But I think the information and the fact that we are becoming more sophisticated in the use of it, if you saw the other story that broke this week about the foreign funding coming from NCRI, the, uh, the, uh, based at Rutgers, the immense study that has taken a long time uh, to prepare uh, for ISGAB, that 
shows the amount of money, I mean, the huge amount, $13 billion in funding that is unaccounted for, unreported by universities coming from Qatar primarily, but also others, Saudi Arabia formerly, not now, but China and and um, other Arab countries and Turkey is given money. But the, the universities did not report it, and we know that it influenced developments on the campuses and one of the remarkable discoveries is a direct correlation with increased foreign funding and increased anti-Semitic action on the campuses. So it shows how they're poisoned, both in terms of the faculty, in terms of their, you know, investing in, in academic centers, the, the activities that they support, the students that, that come to the universities as a result of this and the scholarships that they give in different Arab countries has resulted in, in the much larger numbers and they are acting out, not not just we coming here as students to, to get a degree, but are becoming politically very active and even espousing views and words of violence that are leading to some of the deeds of violence. Yeah, you ever think about it? You ever step back and just think with how small Israel is, and how small the world Jewish community is, and with hundreds of, by the way, everything you just said in that presentation in the last minute, it's hundreds of millions of enemies. I mean, it's governments, it's tens of millions of people in certain countries, it's college campuses, it's the media, with hundreds of millions of people against Israel. It's just remarkable that, thank God, we're able to survive it all. It is, but we have a lot of allies, uh, and we have a lot of friends around who are who are concerned about this because they know that it's not the Jews are always the first, but they're not the last victims in, in this. Yeah, I hear and, that. And, and we are becoming more sophisticated, not enough. We still need lots of money. We need to use this information to bring lawsuits, to get freedom of information, information, uh, information but more importantly, get Title VI applied uh, to the universities. And lawsuits are one way to get the attention of of the university. Some already in the works, but we need to do it much more broadly. And I think the information that will come out will still shock people. And you know, now we're hitting the anniversary of Kristallnacht. That every year, or most years, you and I discuss it and speak in these abstract terms about the uh, importance of remembering and uh, and the role that 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 night had in the eventual, uh, you know, in the eventual tragic history of European Jewry. I don't know if we need to even give these reminders this year. I think people are feeling it uh, to to a great degree. Thank God we haven't had a Kristallnacht, but I think people are more and more understanding what Jews in that era went through. Uh, Absolutely. And the the need for us and people on a local level, on every level, to hold people to account you know, the, when, as you said in the case in L.A., when the, the sheriff is talking about conflicting information on the altercation that led to it, I mean, this, there better be a prosecution and somebody arrested and somebody held to account for, for the murder of this, of this man or the death of this man because of, of the uh, is being pro-Israel and carrying the flag and being uh, assaulted there. But, you know, we, we, at the local level, every one of these cases means something, and every prosecution means something. And the same thing is true when we go after the universities. The resignation by Mr. Suyeka, the from Columbia Board the Business School, the, the what Mr. Ackman did, and what the university firms 
reneging on commitments to to uh, offers to students to be to, for jobs because they participate in, in events that they said that are contrary to the values of the law firms. This is the message that we have to go. There has to be consequences yeah. for the actions that are being taken. Got to spend the last minute we have just for the people who tuned in late. Washington is on Tuesday. Uh, the, the official program, Malcolm did uh, mention that there'll be a youth program that will precede it, but the official program will start at 1 p.m. in Washington, D.C. on the National Mall. Uh, again, Malcolm, based on what you're saying, saying and where and where you sit you have been contacted by so many people around the country you are estimating certainly in the hundreds of thousands would that be fair i won't give it an eye and tell any number what i will say is that it could well be the biggest gathering ever in support of israel and manifestation by the jews there are three goals one obviously is to support israel in time of war two the return of the hostages and three against the rise in anti-semitism on our campuses and in our cities it's an opportunity to put the marker down together with friends from outside of the jewish community to say that we're not going to that we learned the lesson and then when we say never again we mean it and this is the test this is not a war about territory or a war about any kind of gain. This is a war about life and it's the lives of our children and grandchildren and about the values that we all hold dear. This is everybody. What counts? There will be an exciting program. I think people, there will be announcements today of, of some singers who will be coming and others. But the really important part is the physical presence there, the bodies there, and and uh, joining to, in the declaration so that the White House, the Congress, every foreign ambassador, every foreign government will offset the reports that they see all the time of, you know, the, the anti-Israel demonstrations. Finally, will you be, do you know yet in advance if you'll be joined by any family members of our hostages? Yes, many will be there. There will be a section just of the seats empty and occupied, uh, but it's obviously a central theme, and some of the families of hostages will be speaking at the program. Unbelievable. All right, everybody, we know our assignment, get to Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, and kudos to all the schools, organizations, yeshivas, all the institutions, and, of course, people uh, privately as well from all areas of the country, Jew and non-Jew alike, who are descending into Washington on Tuesday in order to accomplish the three goals and address the three issues that Malcolm just pointed out. I am giving a special uh, plug for us here at JMM. We're in Jerusalem on Tuesday. As you head down to Washington, please tune in. I think the guests that we will have will give everybody an even further sense of purpose as they head down to Washington, D.C. Malcolm, good luck. We look forward to the uh, review of everything next Friday. Please, God, have a wonderful Shabbos, and I'm Yisrael Chai. Amen. And everybody should have a great Shabbos. Rest up. You'll need the energy. <laughs> That's It's a tough day, everybody. Keep that in mind. It's not an easy day. It's easier than what the soldiers got to do, but it's not an easy day. Prepare accordingly. And my thanks to Malcolm Holmline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents, Major American Jewish Organizations, with us for the weekly update Fridays here at JM in the AM.